Welcome to Rejoicing Together, a podcast where we share stories of God's transforming power. This podcast is hosted by Maysville Baptist Church. It's a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church. And my name's Shane Robertson. I'm the senior pastor. I'd love for you to come by and worship with us. We have services at 930 and again at 11 on Sunday mornings. I hope you enjoy the program. May the Lord bless you. And we'd love to hear back from you. We'd love for you to go to our website, www.maysvillebaptist.net, and shoot us an email. Again, my name is Shane Robertson, the senior pastor here. I'd love to hear from you. Well, we have in the studio today some very special guests. It is a joy to have you listening to us today. This is Rejoicing Together, sharing stories of God's transforming power. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about missions. And I'm very, very excited to have in the studio three individuals that went on their very first short-term international mission trip. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And as they do, I'm just going to ask them, tell us who you are and tell us just a little bit about your family. Uh, My name is Joy, and I have been a member at Maysville Baptist Church since 2016. I am married. It'll be uh, 19 years, February 28th, and we have one daughter, and she's 13. Wonderful. All right. And I'm Diana, and we started coming to Maysville in 2019, but due to some health issues with myself, um, we had to kind of quit coming for a little bit, but... We came back in early spring of 2022 and became members as well in 2022. And I have two stepsons and a daughter and son and husband of 15 years. And one of those daughters is sitting right beside you. Please introduce yourself. Hi, um, my name's Aspen. I'm about to be 16 tomorrow. February 9th. No kidding. Yeah. You know, I just had a birthday. I know. You're talking about it. It's your so Yeah. Yeah. So you're the ninth. Yeah. I'm 49, and you're going to be how old? 16. Oh, boy. <laughs> I remember I remember being 16. My mind still thinks I am. <laughs> right? Amen. Joy's lifting her hand, praising the Lord, saying yes. Uh, so tell me, where do you go to school, Aspen? I go to school at Winder Barrow High School. Oh, wonderful. Well, it is such a joy to have you in the studio with us today and you guys have been on your very first international mission trip. Uh, Diana, will you tell us just where exactly did you guys go? Uh, We went to Kathmandu, Nepal and it was a long flight. Two long flights actually. How long did it take you to get there? A full 24 hours. Uh, Our first flight was about seven hours with a nine hour layover to get there. The first flight was more like 15 or 14 or 15 hours. Oh, and then the, and then the Qatar layover. layover, then Qatar to Nepal was about seven. About seven just to get there. And then long ways on the way back, too. Anything over four hours for me is going to require some type of sedative. You know, like <laughs> give me something to knock me out because that is so, so long. I need a Benadryl to help get me through. Uh, but thanks be to God. I can remember when I when I went to... Uh, to um, uh, uh, over my first long-term overseas trip, uh, it took 24 hours uh, to get uh, to Indonesia, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I don't think I'm going to survive." Yeah. But thanks be unto God, we made it. So, Joy, tell me, how was the trip? Was the the flying over there? The flight was 
it was exciting at first and then the longer it got you know you realize that it's longer than you were anticipating just sitting still um it wasn't easy to sleep either so it was a it was a stretch yeah but you know we did make it and we were really thankful to to be able to make it there safely and with no issues of any kind so so Aspen, one of the most amazing things about international travel is when you land in a country and you get to experience their airports for the very first time. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, you started in America and then you landed somewhere in another country. What was it like when you got off the plane and got into their airport? Well, first, the Qatar security was absolutely terrible. They're really, really, really mean. Uh-oh. <laughs> really, I mean, I thought Atlanta was bad, but Qatar <laughs> was terrible. Um, but when we went to Nepal, um, the airport, it wasn't as bad as Qatar and we got through really fast, but when you go out of the airport, there's like a bunch of people outside, like hundred people lined up, like, like a thousand. yeah, it was, it was a lot, yeah, so a lot of I can't count. And they all want your attention, every mm-hmm. one of yeah, them. Yeah, they were like taking videos and stuff. And they want you to get in their cab. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. There's a story it can, behind that. It can be a little bit scary. <laughs> there is a story behind There that. is a yeah. story, funny right. story there. Yeah. It is a scary thing, though. I mean, you, you land in a foreign country and you get out. And I can remember some of our training when we went to, um, to places on the other side of the planet. It was like, hey, you know what? Don't get in anybody else's vehicle. Just follow me. And so we had a leader and we were to follow that leader and ignore everybody else. And that's really hard when everybody's just yelling at you, trying to get your attention. Did you kind of experience the same thing? Nate lost about $40 to that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he followed the wrong person into, which they <coughs> led him right to our van Yeah. that we were getting in, our tour van. Mm-hmm. But um, they told him that, you know, they needed <coughs> tip money, and yeah. it wasn't even our driver. Oh so he lost goodness. $40. Oh, that's so tough. That's so tough. So how long was the ride, Joy, from the airport in Nepal when y'all landed? How far was it to get to your location? It wasn't far at all. I would say maybe 10 minutes max. It was pretty close. That's good. And your accommodations, where, where were you guys staying, Diana? Um, it was a hotel called Noble Peace. Mm-hmm. And it was far different from the hotels <laughs> we stay in over here. I mean, we had no heat or air. Um, also, our room had no power. Our room had no power. Oh, wow, nice. <laughs> so we had the flashlight all over. Oh, wow. But some people didn't have working restrooms and showers. We couldn't take showers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, unless you wanted a really cold, cold one. Shower, yeah. Which is very popular today, from what I understand. <laughs> it helps make you feel like you're alive. Uh, but you, We didn't experience didn't that. Make you. you didn't experience that. <laughs> no, huh? my body would not let me get no, in that you're not gonna. that's not going to happen. Well, okay, so you're finally at the hotel. You get a little bit of rest, and it's time to get up, and it's time to go on the field and to, to see. So tell me just exactly what were you guys doing on the field in Nepal? What was taking place? What was the mission that you guys were trying to accomplish? Joy, why don't you go first? Well, we actually hit the ground running when we got there. We didn't rest a whole lot. I think we took a few minutes to maybe change clothes, and then we just – went out with the group that had met us, which they were absolutely fantastic. Um, so, just so amazing people. And we went to one of the villages 
first and we got to put together some of the water filters which is the reason one of the reasons why we went was to bring them those filters and just kind of meet some new people and fellowship before we got to watch as a group um alex and i think debbie and i can't remember who the third person greg you know deliver the gospel and their testimony in the water filters so we got to watch that first experience um so we could see how it worked but it was incredible to see how the people were so attentive they really were hungry for whatever it was that we had to say and it was amazing it was and so when they presented the gospel of Jesus Christ and when you see the receptiveness of the people of Nepal um, how does that differ from what we see here in the states when we share the gospel oh it, it was so different because here people will um, sometimes they'll just ignore you or laugh you off or even mock you so you can get all sorts of angry responses but over there they truly were they they wanted to hear the truth they wanted to hear what we had to say um and uh so many of them were just grateful and receptive so just a world of difference here you know when you when you get right in the middle of missions and the bible tells us in the scriptures in matthew chapter number 28 the bible says all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth Verse 19 of chapter number 28. Go ye therefore uh, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even uh, to the end of the world. Uh, Diana, when you think about the great commission that's been given to us in sharing the gospel, did you really sense the presence of the Lord being with you even all the way over in Nepal? Oh, 100%. I mean, Joy and I were really nervous about sharing the gospel in our testimony because we're not well in crowds like public speaking. Mm. We get real nervous and shy, but as soon as we got there and it was our chance to be able to share, we were excited to do it, and just God flowed through us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amazing. Aspen, was it hard? Was it hard to talk to people in Nepal? It was hard to talk to people, especially because, you know, they can't understand you. But I feel like also with that, you kind of feel more comfortable because if you mess up, a translator can fix it. But, um, I mean, the way they react um, and show that they're interested makes you feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah, because they're like hanging on every word that you say. And thank God for translators, right? Yes. I mean, because they really do. They really help cover up a lot of mistakes that that we might make in stumbling and, and just try, you know, being a little bit, not necessarily scared, but I'm not used to this, you know? And, yeah. and whatever you say takes a little bit longer because you have to say it. The translator's got to receive it, translate it, and then speak it to someone else. So you really have a lot more time to think about what you're saying and the response that that you want to say when when the translator speaks to the national and the national responds and then tells you, hey, here's what they said. And so I really feel like, even in my own experience overseas, that there's no way I could have done it without the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me because I just, it doesn't move fast enough for me because we're like, really, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I know that that aspect of the West speaking about America Go, 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 go. I know y'all brought that to Nepal. 
But did you sense in Nepal that hurry and hustle and bustle amongst the culture of the people of Nepal? What was that like while you were there, Diana? I mean, actually not really. They were just really just all eyes on us, focused on us 100% of the time. You know, there would be a few children that might be off in the background, you know, of course. But even a lot of the children and younger people were listening in just, I mean, you could tell by their reactions and you would see women crying over mm-hmm. the gospel and testimonies that we were sharing. Amen, amen. What was your experience, Joy, in that culture? In the culture, um, you could tell that they were, uh, the the people that were kind of in our periphery, they were going about their business. They were, they walk almost everywhere. There were people walking everywhere and there were, the driving was <laughs> so different. I mean, it's indescribable, really. Yeah. They, I could never, it's worse in Atlanta. Uh, it's and so, yeah, that was a little overwhelming, I think, for for me, because, you know, even here, I'm like, Ugh. but there, it, it almost seemed like we were going to die like every five seconds in the vehicle. <laughs> but our driver that we got, we had, and there were two separate vehicles, um, I immediately felt safe and comfortable with him. He, he really was aware of what he was doing, and it, it was really nice to feel safe even though all that chaos was kind of going on around us but other than that I mean their culture is it's definitely different than ours yeah I mean they have a work 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 like sun up sundown not that we don't work as as right as a nation very hard but it, it it's different and I, and I think that's that's probably the the word that we really want to stress is that we're not saying it's wrong. We're saying it's different. Um, I can remember um, on some of my first trips across overseas, I remember in the Dominican Republic or in a little island in the French West Indies specifically, was in this little island called Dominica, and they drove on the opposite side of the road. And so when I got back home, we had this big missions conference, and I stood up, and I made this comment and there's missionaries all in this. I said, they drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> and that is not the right thing to say. You meant the opposite side. That's right. <laughs> I meant the opposite side. And that's and, and we all, everybody in my culture in, that was a member of the church, they understood that. But those missionaries who serve on the other side of the world, that was somewhat offensive to them because it wasn't the wrong side of the road to them. It was the right side of the road Mm -hmm. to them. It was just the other side of the road to me. And so learning those cultural differences can be a real challenge. You know, the things that you can do, the things that you can't do, the things that you can say, the things that you can't say. Even some of the gestures that we use here in the States, we can't use on, you know, overseas because those simple childlike gestures in calling children can can be something of of a bad word in another culture. Did you guys experience those oh, something yeah. similar to that? Yes. Yeah. We, we weren't allowed to use our left, left hand. hand to like yeah. give like the water filters for example and it was more respectful to hand with both hands. Yeah. Because they use their left hand for different reasons. Than that's right. Did. And that's so very I mean that's very biblical. You'll see in the scriptures when you read the Bible and 
we've used this on foreign mission fields as an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, the Bible talks about the right hand and God's right hand. Mm -hmm. and, and all those things the scripture says about the right hand is just exactly the same. The reason that you guys yeah. experience why you don't use your left hand. Uh, you don't, I mean, even here in the States, we still, we don't shake hands with our left hand. We shake hands with our right hand. Mm -hmm. And that even has its, its origins in this same principle that you guys experienced. So... You completed the trip. How many days? How many days were you were you actually in Nepal? Eight days. Well, Eight days. Wednesday well, to Wednesday. Well, six because it was a full day of flights, but right. actually in Nepal. Six full days six with full two days. travel right. days. Right. So you made it back. Yeah. So let's talk about that just for a minute, if we could. Uh, Joy, I, let me ask you this question: Now that you're back from this trip, uh, what did you learn about yourself? I learned that I live in a bubble. Um, I have been completely unaware of the outside world, outside of the safety and comfort of my own environment. Um, there are people out there that are struggling every single minute of every single day to just survive. So people are truly over in Nepal, always in survival mode or, you know, that fight or flight, you know, you have to, you have to survive. And I, I realized that I am so far beyond blessed to just have the safety and the comfort that I have every single day. So I learned about myself that, you know, I'm definitely a little spoiled, actually. <laughs> we are, aren't we? Yeah. We really are. Diana, what about you? What did you learn about yourself on this trip? Um... Well, the trip humbled me in many ways. Um, you know, it made me, of course, miss my family a lot, but the people over there. It's all right. They're just so gracious. It's really different than here. Mm -hmm. um, and it just makes you want, like people over there, if they were like that in America, it would be a whole different world. Mm -hmm. Yes, you, you were so right. Aspen, did you learn anything about yourself while you were over there? I'm not going to try to bandwagon off you, Joy, but <laughs> definitely taking stuff for granted um, because being over there, like, we can't, um, like, I mean, I couldn't even take a shower over there because it was, so like, such cold water. Um, like, our room didn't have power. Some people didn't have bathrooms. Um and I couldn't, like, go to my kitchen and get food unless, like, because we did bring food. But, like, I couldn't just go to the kitchen and get food or watch TV. Um, so it's definitely different, like Joy said. makes you feel like you're taking it for granted. And it was the little things, too. Like, they sleep on a plywood with a mat that is maybe half an inch to an inch thick and I mean that's every night and some people have blankets and some don't to stay warm at night and it's really cold there so there were so many eye-opening things that would made us aware of our own uh, uh, ungratefulness really I would say towards yeah. what we do have and we take it for granted. Yeah that seems to be like the like one of the number one things that we recognize when we get to a foreign field how blessed we really are here in the United States of America. 
you know, as an American Christian, having the uh, opportunities that we have to go overseas and learn about new cultures and talk to new people in different cultures, especially those that are in the Nepali culture, I, I wanted to ask you this question. Was there any any new thing that you learned about God? Is there anything that, and it doesn't have to necessarily be new, but is there any aspect of God that just kind of reaffirmed or you're like, wow, man, that's really amazing. What an awesome God we serve. What did you learn about God while on the trip? Diana, let's start with you. Um, well, I definitely know that he's powerful in other countries as well as over here because we actually us three got to witness in front of a Hindu temple being made, mm, actually wow. being built right there mm. with 60, 70 people there. Mm. And there was probably about 20 people that gave their life to Jesus Amen. right there. Praise the Lord. And I honestly was struggling to get to that up the mountain too there, and I was like, I'm going to have to sit this one out. I was struggling. But when I got there, I ended up sharing my testimony. Because of the elevation? Is it was just, it was hot it was hot during the days but freezing yeah. at night and it was just you know I've been s- recently so sick yeah like um in the past not very long ago that right. I would never think I'd be able to do climb the Himalayas right um so I struggled a little bit but I made it yeah and I ended up sharing my testimony up there anyways because and folks got saved yeah. I want to can I just say yeah. too during that whole climb of the mountain first of all. You were struggling, but you did amazing, and I was so proud of you. And you you had gotten to a point right before we got there that you said, look, I might have to sit this one out. Yeah, I really think I'm going to have to sit this one out. But when we got there, she flipped, and she was like, no, I'm ready. I want to do this. And I was just really impressed and so, so proud of you in that and it moment. And awesome. it was all God. I mean, he, yeah. he pushed me and spoke through me. Gave you, know. you the strength that you needed Definitely. to get up there. Yeah. That is so wonderful. Aspen, what about you? What did you learn about God on this trip? Um, I had never been able to give my testimony, like, mm-hmm. before we went to the trip or anything. Like, we would go to um, the meetings every month and share our testimonies, but I could never get through it. And even when we were in Nepal and I would share my testimony the first few times, I would leave stuff out and not mm-hmm. tell the whole story. Um, and Greg, actually, we were... Um, We were separated into groups to go through the mountains and deliver water filters and spread the gospel and stuff. And um, we got to this one house, and Greg asked me if I wanted to, and I was like, might as well. So I did, and um, I still didn't fully say it. I had like I started crying, and I um, told the translator, and she translated it. Um, that was the first time I like really spoke it to where people could here um and that really affected me and I didn't want to do it anymore and I think it was the next day it was the last house we went to like on the trip because the next day we were leaving Mm. and the whole group was there everyone even like the translator their families everyone was there and we were climbing up the mountain I was thinking all like especially like probably 15 minutes before like we got to the house like while we were like climbing the mountain and I was thinking, I was like, do I do it? I was like, I've only done it one time. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. And then um, right before we got to the house, I was getting sick because I hadn't ate all day. Mm-hmm. And I was eating. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I get up there, 
And I was sitting down, and Alex was like, you're doing your testimony. I was like, oh, okay. And I said it in front of everybody, mm-hmm. perfectly fine, didn't cry, confident as ever. And I guess it made me realize that the whole way up the mountain was God telling me mm-hmm. that I had to do it. And I was like, no. And Alex was like, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just, if I didn't do it, I would have regretted it. Yeah. And God gave you the strength and power to do that. Yes. You know, what's amazing to me is God is the same wherever we're at. It doesn't matter if we're in Nepal or if we're in Maysville, Georgia. That same power is still with us today. And while the cultures may be different, and even the people in regards to whether they're kind or rude or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be, we still serve a God that's all-powerful that can give us that strength to help us be able to present our testimony. Because I'm, I'm like you, Aspen, really. I mean, I know it may be hard to believe, but on Monday nights when I go out and we're sharing our faith, um, it is. It gets, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this tonight. And then the Spirit of God is just, you know, living inside of me. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm talking about the Lord. You just can't, <laughs> you know, I can't keep it in. It's going to come out. Uh, whatever's in the well is going to come out through the bucket. And uh I'm so grateful that you learned that from, from God. That's really good. Joy, what about you? What did you what did you learn? I learned that God is so faithful. When we were leading up to the trip in the months and doing our training classes, I was praying and I was, you know, just praying for God to to give us the words to say, to speak through us and not let us speak ourselves. And he was so faithful. He showed up on time every time people were hearing the call they were waking up coming out of death and that's because god is so faithful to he's mighty to save and Mm -hmm. i really he the holy spirit was what gave me the confidence to speak amen at all so yeah praise the lord well let me let me ask you this joy how did this mission trip impact your faith and your prayer life. How did it how did it affect your faith and prayer life? Well, as far as my faith goes, it is just doubled and I've you know, I feel like the Lord has been showing me for a few months now, even prior to the trip, that faith is something that we must exercise like a muscle. You want it to get stronger and you have to exercise it. You have to step out in faith. Wow, that's um good. so when we were there and I could see God moving and working, that gave me more ability to have faith. And mm-hmm. so I do believe that my faith grew. And my prayer life, I have definitely been praying more. Um, I, I, I struggle with the words to pray sometimes. So, mm-hmm. But uh, my prayer life is, is tons better than it was even like mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. So. You know, I think about that, uh, you're talking about faith and exercising it like a muscle. I'm reminded of a story in the scripture after Jesus' resurrection where where the disciples are there and, and Thomas is there and Thomas did not see Jesus, you know, and you remember what Thomas said? He he said, um, he said, Lord, I believe, but help thou now my unbelief, you know, unless I see, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and can thrust my hand up in his side. I'm not going to believe. I'm, I mean, my faith is, I just don't believe that he's alive and he sees the Lord Jesus. And that's when he begins to say, Lord, 
my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, Blessed are they that believe and have seen Thomas. But how much more blessed are those that believe who have never seen? And a lot of times we think about that and we exercise our faith in not seeing Jesus. But here on the mission field, there is a tremendous, like everyday opportunities for you to have your faith exercised and have that faith grow. And the Lord gives you that wonderful pleasure of seeing Him work and for in work in that situation. And I just think it's so neat that God loves us enough to say, I can take your faith, whatever it is, even if it's a grain of a mustard seed, which is what I require. He says, I can take that, and I cannot just add to it, but I can multiply it. Yes. All I'm looking for is your obedience. And uh, that is a, that's an awesome, awesome testimony that you would be able to exercise your faith in Nepal. That is just so wonderful. What about you, Diana? Did you learn anything uh, about your faith or how did this mission trip impact your faith or your prayer life? Um, well, I've been like struggling with some things at home um, and just going to Nepal and meeting the Nepali preachers over there, Christian preachers and their families and being able to pray with them and sing hymns from over here, you know, with them. Yeah. Um, it just really grew my faith tenfold. Amen. Um, and I was able to bring that back with me. And I mean, we prayed all the time over there. Mm -hmm. We prayed before we had, like before we went to the Hindu temple to witness to them just on our safari right up the mountain, you know, it was <laughs> just, just, just driving just, in the road. That'll just, strengthen yes. your faith. I mean, <laughs> yes, and it helped me to be able to pray better as well. well. Amen. Aspen, I'm going to ask you another question. So are you ready for this? <laughs> ready. All right. So what did you learn about the people you served? Um, it's kind of different, um, based on where you went. Um, I mean, really, really respectful. They're so sweet. Like, they're really sweet. They're very open. Um, some of the people that got saved, like, you had to make sure that they knew, like, when, um, like, we were praying or, like, sharing the gospel to them, you had to make sure that they knew, like, you have to drop all your other gods and choose the one God. And you had to really let them know that, like, over and over and over. And, um... They were really open to that. Even, like, some people would argue back. A good amount of people would argue back. But um, most of them were really open to um, getting saved and getting to know Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Diana, what about you? What did you learn for the people that you were serving there in Nepal? Um, <clears throat> just their generosity. Um, the people that we stayed with there cooked every meal for us, um, served us, would not let us touch anything. They, We ate before they ate. I mean, they were just full of kindness and generosity. And, yeah. you know, it's not like that here. Yeah, that really is. I, I've experienced that same type of generosity overseas. I mean, just amazing how they could take in strangers. And the mm -hmm. Bible talks about that. Yeah talks about strangers and how we are to extend hospitality and they 
definitely are, are doing that. Joy, did you learn anything about the people you were serving over there? I did. Um, they showed a genuine, what I would consider true Christian love for us from the yes. very minute we touched the ground. Um, very, very hugs, loves, I love you. I'll, we'll, they're constantly praying for us and just they showed their love in so many ways and then there was once when we were driving up to Golchi um, our driver got stopped by the police and he had to get out of the vehicle and when he could see us you know we are obviously not in a poly and so he told the police that we were family we were his family and he meant that when he told him that that he wasn't lying we were his family in christ and he had no qualms about saying that and we have a hard time treating people like that wow here that is that is a great topic right there the key to breaking down racial barriers should be christianity you come to know jesus christ as your personal savior and lord there's there's no color anyways but god really is colorblind in Mm -hmm. fact we would even go so far as to say God is multicolored in respect to red and yellow. We sang the song growing up, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. And, um, man, how important that is. I, I remember being in Africa, and, you know, obviously I stuck out like a sore thumb, especially <laughs> in a big crowd. I mean, and, um, you know, not trying to be disrespectful or or racist or anything like that. But I had a difficult time locating my my uh, interpreter. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a scary situation because I'm looking around and I don't see him. And um, in this crowd where the press is just so great, I mean, it's just a a very small town with a great concentration downtown, and I can't find the person that I'm with, and just a, an overwhelming fear, like you know, anybody could take take me and I'd be gone forever nobody gonna find me and just standing there a hand reaches out and grabs mine and I look down and follow the hand and there there's my interpreter smiling you know saying I love you I've got you yes. you're not going anywhere and I tell you what I didn't struggle with fear I I just I trusted God I knew God he's not he didn't create fear or confusion. So I didn't struggle with fear. And our interpreters in the group we were with were always right by our side. They mm-hmm. were always holding our hand or arms linked. Or, so we never had that separation where we, we had any kind of anxieties or fear in those circumstances. So yeah, I was we really grateful for yeah. that. As well, other right. than you were alone. I'm yeah, saying, that's right. Yeah, so. we were alone. It was just the two of us. We were in this region, just the two of us. And, um, I mean, it was, you know, I'd been on several trips before. It wasn't like like they were putting me in, in harm's way. They would have never put me in a dangerous situation. It was just that, that really quick, irrational thought, you know, that pushes through. And like you said, it's the devil. He's wanting, he's the author of fear. And um, I was perfectly safe. I was right where God wanted me. And he was going to accomplish his will through me. Uh in, in, in respect to that, let me ask this follow-up question just thinking about it. What did you learn about poverty and injustice in relationship to this, to the culture 
that you were in. What about poverty? Did you see any poverty? What does that What does that look like, Aspen? What did the poverty look like there in Nepal? Um, the poverty. The first village we went to, um, the first house, there was no floor, um, the roof falling apart. Um, where me and a few of the people were sitting, there was a huge. Um, I don't know if it was like bamboo or something, but it was just like hanging from the ceiling, like about a fall. Um, and um, the food, the food was good, but we went to, it was a village in Golti, and the food we ate, like the chicken had all the bones in it. Every, all the parts. Every no, part, chicken, every right, bone you right. could think of, it was in there, um, which isn't really poverty, it's just... Right, well, it's, different. it's different. It's definitely <laughs> different. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were really not bathrooms. Um, it was really literally a hole. Squatty potties. In the, that's what we call them. Yes, in the floor. Squatty potties. That's um, it. That, it wasn't that's the pleasant. missionary term. Yeah. It wasn't pleasant. No toilet no. paper. We right. had to bring our own. That's right. Um, I thought we were going to talk about that. Yeah, but. that's lo- I mean, we, we don't think about toilet paper <laughs> no. being as a luxury here in the States, <laughs> but. Man, it really, I mean, and you see what happens when the stores don't have it, you know, during right. COVID. I mean, he's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? But mm-hmm. uh, they don't have it in other parts of the world. No. And in the actual village in Golchi, you know, they have a hose running to their huts or homes, whatever you would like to call them, to where they wash their clothes, they bathe from, you know. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And it's from the dirty, unclean river. Right. Where this water is coming from. Also, no one talked about how guilty I was going to feel pulling out that toilet paper in front of everybody. Like, I would hide it, like, in my shirt or something so that... Because wow. I felt so bad. Because, like, I mean, I'm sure if they saw it, they, I mean, they might get offended. But also, yeah. they're used to it, like, yeah. not having it. Yeah. So. No, I mean, that's that's so vitally important. I mean, you think about God was, you know, really speaking to you there in relationship to... We are blessed to be born in the United States of America, to to be raised where we were raised. I mean, I, um, you know, when I answered the call to ministry, I, I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I, I mean, my yes had to be on the table. And, um, and I meant that, whether that be in somewhere on the other side of the world or right there where I was born and raised in Gadsden, Alabama. And God saw fit for me to do some ministry there in Gadsden in Atala where um, I where I lived but then God called me and my wife and my family here to Georgia in 1997 and uh, I can remember when God called me up here because I, I spent 17 years at, at one church and um, I can remember God moving and I thought mercy the Lord's going to move and I remember praying and asking the Lord if I can have any grace Lord Jesus will you please keep me in Georgia because I just I know how blessed that that I am here, and I love the people of Georgia, and I love the people in this area, especially in rural Georgia. And, and uh, if you you can take a a pen and draw a straight line over a map into Alabama, and the plane that we're on right here is the same plane that I was born and raised in. So there's this there's this really sweet camaraderie, and I feel like you know this is my people uh, that I'm with. And, um, and God just really blessed that. And so I know how blessed I am to be where I'm at. And that's what God was telling you. I mean, he's just like, you're blessed. 
in that. And that guilt that you feel is coming from the blessings that God gives us here in, in the West, in the United States of America. Joy, what did you learn about poverty? Um, I learned that they have a caste system, and they can't really break out of their caste system. And if they were to do that, uh, it, they would be ostracized and ridiculed and made to feel like they didn't belong. And it's worse than that. But I guess I didn't think that caste systems still existed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, their poverty, it was pretty prevalent. The The ground everywhere we drove was covered in trash. Mm-hmm. Um there, they didn't have any like washing machines like we have here. They just everyone washes and dries their clothes. Just there were clotheslines everywhere, yeah. and yeah, it de- it definitely struck us. Hmm. What did you learn about uh, servanthood and discipleship uh, while you were there? How did that How did that impact your life? It impacted me greatly. Um, I am. I was so honored and blessed to be able to just go on this trip because I had prayed that God would give me an opportunity to tell people about Jesus that I had that had never heard about him. And then like within two weeks, y'all were announcing the Nepal trip and, um, you know, I'd never done anything like that before. So I, I don't know that I've been able to serve God as much as I should have uh, leading up to this point. But now it's all I want to do. I'm like on fire for it. I want to go and serve my community and just do more, especially when you see how servant they are over there and they were willing to do anything, like even carry our bags. I mean, it just just made me really want to do that Mm. right here where I'm at. Amen. And discipleship, I am still learning about that. So I, I definitely learned some things. And and I just, I'm actually like really interested to get more into that and, and learn more about discipleship. But I definitely learned that it is part of the Great Commission. You know, we are called to make disciples. Um, and that's what we were doing, and that's what I'd like to to continue to do. Yeah, and I think here at Maysville, um, it's amazing how God uses every situation that we find ourselves in to point to what what is your home church already doing, you know, that you can do right here that you would be doing on a mm-hmm. farm field somewhere. Like, for example, uh, the clothes closet, you know, that we have. And in our culture, in our community, in our closed closet, uh, we're reaching those in our community that, you know, that have, that have poverty, that are struggling a little bit, even with our food pantry, passing out food once a month, just trying to help meet the needs of those in our community that maybe they don't live in huts, but they still are experiencing poverty. And uh, we have tremendous opportunities right here at Maysville Baptist Church to exercise uh, discipleship and servanthood in relationship to to the Great Commission. And I just think it's so awesome how God can use a trip to just awaken that inside of us. And that just, it thrills my heart, Joy, to hear that, man, I'm hungry for more discipleship 
And I want you to know that your church has some great opportunities for you to continue uh, those things. And I'm just, man, I just am grateful for what God's doing in and through you. Uh, Diana, what about you? Did did God teach you something about servanthood and maybe discipleship as well? Um, definitely. I mean, I have actually been blessed to help with the toy drive that we had at the clothes closet. Um, that was just amazing to be able to help children in need that, you know, wasn't going to get anything for Christmas probably. Um, and also we did the back to school drive here um, at the clothes closet as well and just people that can't even afford notebook paper or pencils or a backpack, you know, it was very humbling to do that as well. And to go overseas, I mean, that's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. And when our, you know, previous pastor, Chris Porter, our um, college pastor here, um, talked about it at Vacation Bible School. Um, when he went to the first trip you guys went to in Nepal. I wanted to go to Nepal just from hearing that, and it was such a blessing to actually go and experience it for myself. Amen. Amen. Aspen, did you learn anything about servanthood and discipleship? Um, the first thing that I ever really went to, I did go to the back-to-school drive, and I was um, cooking hot dogs with Justin, and that was hard because he'd be handing out, I mean, 50 hot dogs at a time, and I would have to put, all I had to do was put them in the bun and wrap them in the tinfoil. But I mean, there was probably 300 people just coming back and forth. People come back for seconds. Oh, we can't give seconds. Oh, I felt so bad. <laughs> I felt so bad because I know how, like, hungry they are, and that's humbling, too, because, yeah. like, normally if we cook that at home. I can have as many as I want, but we couldn't do that. Um, yeah, we had to make sure everybody was able to get something, you know, that day. Yep. I remember. Yep, sure do. Everybody want everybody to at least get one. Sure enough. Let me ask you this: um, in relationship to uh, Nepal, how can you continue to support Aspen? How can you continue to support those people that you were serving in Nepal? What can you do here in the states, right here? What can you do to help serve those people there? The main thing I can think of is pray. Yeah. That's that's a good one. A lot. Yeah, pray for them. Yeah. Diana, what do you think? you have something that uh, prayer is always at the top of the list, but is there anything else that comes to your mind? Um, me and my husband, actually, the Christian pastor um, that we were able to stay with, him and his family and translators, um, we actually are going to send monthly donations to them mm. to help out for anything he needs mm. to help bring more people to Christ. Amen. Amen. Joy, what about you? I would agree with them. Uh, prayer and financial um, and donating to just missions in general. Um, just making sure that we are supporting people who are in missions and can go over there and and other places all over the world that need to hear about Jesus you know, one of the great things about Maysville Baptist Church is we, we do have several line items about missions. One of the major ones that we have at Maysville is called the Cooperative Program. And that and that's the fact that 7% of all undesignated gifts here at Maysville Baptist Church goes to the Cooperative Program. The Cooperative Program is the Southern Baptist um, 
collective entity that distributes missionary funds to our missionaries as Southern Baptists. And it is a great way to work together for us to get the gospel all around the world. And God's doing great things through the cooperative program. And so as we give and are faithful to give to Maysville Baptist Church, it funds that line item so that we're able to help fund the missionaries. And what's so great about Southern Baptist missionaries is at any moment, at any time, if any unrest, if any difficult thing happens around the world, Southern Baptists are able to pull their missionaries immediately and get them to safety in order for us to get back on the field as soon as possible. And so it is really a a blessing to be a part of the cooperative program. We do also have the uh, Lottie Moon uh, offering, Christmas offering, and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which is coming up. Uh, The Annie Armstrong Easter offering helps uh, the North American Mission Board, which I just was in a two-day intensive uh, training for the North American Mission Board sending church church planting assessment. Uh, I know we were talking about Pastor Chris here just a few moments ago. Pastor Chris and Pastor Nate uh, have started a church, and uh, we are doing everything in our power to get them certified to be a Southern Baptist uh, cooperating church. And, man, things are going very well, and I can't wait to share some news in the coming weeks about how God is moving and doing great things in relationship to that. And the point of all of that is is this. Maysville Baptist Church is a mission-minded church. If we weren't, we wouldn't have opportunities to go on mission. We wouldn't have opportunities to go overseas, local, in the state, and also abroad. And I just am so grateful uh, to have church members here that see the need and that want to meet that need and want to generously and faithfully give to their local church as well as some offerings that they give Uh, also around the world as well. And I think that's really cool. I think that's really neat. And I'm very, very grateful uh, for that opportunity that we have uh, here at Maysville Baptist Church. I want to end the podcast just simply by uh, giving you an opportunity to give some last words about missions, especially mission trips. So if you could say one thing to everyone that's listening, and by the way, just so you'll know, people listen from all over the world. I got a report just about three weeks ago about how far this podcast was reaching around the world. I was absolutely shocked that people are listening. So if you're listening, I really would love to hear from you. If you'll jump on our website at www.maysvillebaptist.net. My name is Shane Robertson. I'm the senior pastor here. You can click on contact us and send me an email. I would love to hear from you, maybe where you're listening from and how this uh, podcast has ministered to you. And uh, I'd love to pray for you. But let me ask you guys this on the panel. So what, what in closing, what is one thing that if you could share with those that are listening about missions, what is it that you would say to them? Who wants to go first? I, I'm not going to point anybody. I'm going to let you go first. Okay, Joy, go ahead. I think the most important thing about missions is obedience because Jesus commands us in Scripture to go out to all nations and make disciples and so we should be obedient if God calls us to do that so if he's calling you to do that you need you need to obey amen that's a good that's a good word Diana what do you think um I would say be faithful that he's you know going to work in your life and send you to wherever you need to be 
to spread the gospel and that being worldwide. Amen. Amen. Aspen? Even if you don't like feel ready to go, because I did, was, definitely wasn't ready um, to go. I didn't really kind of process it. Like, even the day before, I didn't feel like I was leaving the country the next day. I didn't really realize what I was doing. Um, but once you get there, you'll you'll be ready. They'll, they'll make you ready. But it's 100% worth it, even if you don't know what you're doing. Boy, I love that word. Be obedient, be faithful, and be courageous. That is absolutely what it takes uh, to go and to just serve wherever God is calling you. And maybe the Lord's calling you out there if you're listening today. Maybe the Lord's calling you to go on mission. There are wonderful opportunities to be able to do so. We're working on some new mission trips that uh, it's going to be a It's going to be Christ-honoring, going to be uh, wonderful opportunities. I'd love for you to jump on board and go with us as we go around the world, as we uh, proclaim the love of Jesus Christ, as we love God, love others, and serve the world. Hey, I want to thank you for listening today. It is a joy to be able to come to you in your homes, in your cars, as you travel. Uh, I just want to tell you this. I want to tell you how much God loves you. Uh, You know, maybe uh, you want to go on a trip, but maybe you just don't know the God we're talking about. I just want to share with you the most important thing in your life is your relationship with God. And that's what this thing is all about. It's about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples all around the world. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You know, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That simply says we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We all fall short of God's glory. But the Bible also says that God demonstrated His love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I just want to encourage you and let you know that Jesus Christ paid the price so that you could be in right relationship with God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible is very clear that you can have a right relationship with God by by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. It's not an act. It is a matter of your will. It's a matter of you trusting Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Him. I'd love to give you that opportunity if you're listening right now. If you'd like to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ from your heart to God, would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, Lord Jesus... I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. And right now, I repent of my sins and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for dying on the cross and being risen again for my sins. I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Again, my name is Shane Robertson. I'm a senior pastor here at Maysville Baptist Church, and I would love for you to send me an email and tell me that you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Well, this is Rejoicing Together, sharing God's love and God's truth and rejoicing over God's transforming power. I hope you'll turn in, tune in next time as we get together again and we share great stories from some of our church members that are loving God, loving others, and serving the world. Until next time, God bless you, and thank you so very much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rejoicing Together. I hope you'll come again and check us out, especially on the web 
at www.maysvillebaptist.net where we strive to love God, love others, and serve the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he shine his light on you. And until next time, we look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. God bless you and have a great day.